Before we get started, I wanted to say a thank you to the generous supporters of the podcast, bringing you today's episode. You can support the show at patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples, or by clicking the link in today's show notes. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 67. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is part three of our series on nurturing the faith of Catholic kids. Today's chat is with Jenny Cochis of Not So Formulaic. We're talking about helping our kids prepare for Mass, learning to love our kids more, and embracing our children for who God created them to be. I loved this chat with Jenny, who shares so genuinely and vulnerably about her journey to becoming an encourager for Catholic moms, including struggles with postpartum depression, learning to parent differently wired kids, and embracing the beauty and holiness amidst the messiness of motherhood. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. Why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about you and about your work and about your family? Um, Well, I am a mom of three. Um, I live in uh, Northern Virginia outside DC. And um, let's see, I have, well, I said I have three kids, (laughs) 12, eight, and four. Um, And they're all, they're all a little on the quirky side. They're a little outside the box. (laughs) Um, they're different kids. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's where my heart is. My heart is in, um, supporting women of faith, Catholic and Christian mothers in their, um, vocation of raising their differently wired kids. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. So what comes, what comes to mind when you think about how you personally live out the great commission as a mom? Um, you know, I think it really has to do with how I am trying to raise my children to be both faithful Catholics, but also critical thinkers. You know, I want them to Mm. be able to embrace their faith and own it. Um, I think it, if we're going to change our culture and the world that we're living in, I think our, my children, our children need to be able to um, defend their faith from Mm. a standpoint, not just of, well, it's because it's what my parents believed, but from a standpoint of it's because I have le- I've learned this and I have searched it and I found it to be true. Um, mm. I think, you know, that is my, my role as their mother is to teach them the beauty of the Catholic faith, to teach them the truth of it so that they can go out there. And when they are, um, you know, young adults or adults face the world that we're living in with a firm foundation and the ammunition that they need to convert, you know, to change hearts, um, and to make a difference. So I I think for me, it's, it's more about the, you know, the intellectual aspect of helping them really embrace their faith as their own, um, Mm -hmm. because they, they know it's the truth. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. And I, I feel like the ages of your kids right now, you said your oldest is like middle 12. Is that right? Yeah, she's 12. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important, um, especially in those kind of like middle school, high school years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really love that. That's great. Um, so, Ginny, I, do, I don't know if you'd refer to yourself this way, but I, I would call you like an encourager for Catholic moms with um, your writing and, as you mentioned, your heart for, you know, different kind of out-of-the-box kids and with your presence on um, 
on social media for for moms and just offering encouragement and so I'd love to know kind of your journey with that how how you began as a writer and an encourager okay um well it's kind of a long story so I'll give you (laughs) I'll give you the abbreviated version (laughs) Um, sounds good yeah I um I've always been a a writer like I you know I, I used to be an English teacher um my my graduate degree is in um, teaching writing and literature. So I've, I've always been a, a writer and a writing instructor. Um, and gosh, uh, when I was still teaching high school, um, I used to be a high school English teacher. I started a blog with my students um, and we, we wrote together. And then I, I had my first child, um, my oldest, and I left the classroom. And I also kind of spiraled down into this really deep, postpartum depression. Um, and I stopped writing. Um, I stopped doing a lot of things that I loved and my daughter, um, she is on the autism spectrum. So she, she has sensory processing disorder and, um, she was identified, um, under the like Asperger's umbrella or the autism umbrella by our school district, Mm -hmm. but follow-up evaluations have proved inconclusive. So um, suffice it to say, she's this wonderful, creative, intense, curious, um, just Mm. fully alive creature. (laughs) And, and when she was younger, when she was like two or three, well, even as a baby, you know, she never slept. Um, Not even at, not at night. She didn't nap. Um, you know, and I was, I was really just, I felt so alone and so disheartened. Um, and I was angry. I was really angry at God because I was like, this is not what it is supposed to be like. You know, all these moms have, you know, these great babies who sleep and, you know, eat. And that's the other thing. My, my oldest is a very selective eater, um, which I've learned to just kind of embrace it as, as who she is and not push it. But um, you know, when she's two and three and other kids are eating like spaghetti and hot dogs and, you know, chicken nuggets and my daughter's eating white bread and cupcakes, you know, exclusively, like that mm. was really hard for me. Um, mm. and so I, um, our children are all four years apart, which also I think kind of put me at a, I, I felt awkward, um, or in, in Catholic circles because, you know, we weren't contracepting. It was just the way my body works. Um, and I think also God knew, well, of course he knew, he knew that I was not in a place where I could handle another child, um, until she was older. And until I Mm. had gotten into a rhythm and started feeling better, like a a rhythm with parenting her. Um, so then our second daughter came along and, um, you know, super fiery, intense, (laughs) another one, (laughs) um, live wire. Um, she is, she's neurotypical, um, but she has severe anxiety. Um, so, um, that has been, you know, that was also like another kick in the gut. And then right around this time, um, my oldest started kindergarten and that was a total disaster. We put her in a Catholic school. Um, and she, she went in to kindergarten. She taught herself to read when she was four. She went into kindergarten reading at a sixth grade level and her behavior was, atrocious. You know, I had this Mm. incredibly beautiful, brilliant child, but she was in the principal's office having massive meltdowns and rages like two or three times a week. Um, and so I felt like a failure as a mother and I really just, I didn't know what was going on. I, I, again, I was back in that place of being really angry at God. And I was, I in, you know, I had postpartum depression again, that I also this time didn't get treated either. And I was taking a lot of it out on my, my oldest, um, and then, um, 
we decided to pull my oldest daughter out and start homeschooling. And that actually healed our relationship quite a bit um, because we were able to stay home together. So um, sorry, I'm making this longer than I said I would. No, that's <laughs> great. I'm, I'm really thankful that you're sharing this. Okay, yeah, well, that's great. Thank you. Um, so then um, when my, my middle child was about four and we were having trouble with her in preschool, she was um, she loved preschool, but she was very anxious about me and where I was and was constantly asking the teachers, you know, what if she doesn't come back? What if she's in a car accident? You know, what if, mm. what if, what if, what if, what if, which we, you know, later would come to find out is actually a, a symptom of her OCD, um, which she also has. So, um, my, my son, my youngest, my four-year-old was born, um, when our, my middle was in preschool. And, um, the, po- the postpartum depression got really, really bad. I was a very angry, explosive mom. And I remember the tipping point was I had decided to homeschool for kindergarten for my, my middle child. And so we were in the basement and I just totally lost my mind. I was yelling. I was screaming. I was so angry. And my son was maybe about a year old at that point. And my, my five-year-old, then my middle child, um, got down on the floor on her knees and started praying. She, I'm going to tear up. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. said, you know, dear God, please help my mommy. And I knew, like I knew at that moment that I needed help. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and during all this time I wasn't writing because I didn't have the, like the mental space or the heart for it. You know, I was just Mm -hmm. kind of trying to survive. And so I uh, made an appointment the next day to go see my OBGYN. Um, And I, I go to, um, a pro-life OBGYN up here in, in Virginia. And he's, they're awesome. Um, and they immediately got me in and, um, put me on medication and, um, they asked me if I wanted counseling. And I said, you know, not right now. Um, let me just see how the medication does. And let me tell you, like the next day, literally after I started the medication, it was like the sky just opened up and everything was clear. Mm. And I felt so much better. It was like a huge answered prayer. Wow. And, I found my voice again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was able to sit down at the computer and this was about three years ago, I guess. And, and write about my story of where I was and, and what had happened. Um, and from that, I, I started realizing that I was not, well, God showed me a lot of things. Um, you know, because I was feeling like I was a failure as a mother. I was angry at him for giving me children. I didn't understand I was angry at him for, ch- for giving me children that didn't fit my perception of what I thought my motherhood would look like. But over the course of, you know, this really painful period of growth, I guess really labor pains, you know, on the other side of it was the birth of something really beautiful and wonderful. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, that I was able to repair my relationship with my children. It's not perfect by any means. I mean, we're still, you know, we're still a work in progress. Um, but I was also able to identify that I was not alone, that there were other women out there who were in my position. They were Catholic moms. They had intense kids that they didn't know what to do with. They didn't know how to raise, that they weren't, you know, they felt faulty, that they couldn't help their children, that they couldn't, um, couldn't have the same kind of family that, you know, maybe the women in their homeschool group or their parish had, you know, because I remember Mm -hmm. sitting, you know, I had three kids and they were basket cases during mass. And, you know, I'm looking at across the aisle at a family in my homeschool group and they've got 10 kids sitting, you know, quiet, pious, prayerful. (laughs) What am I doing wrong? You know, she's got 10, I've got three, you know, there's, there's a quite a dichotomy Mm -hmm. here. Um, 
And so that's, that's where all of this came from because I, at my darkest hour, you know, I thought that I had been abandoned and I thought that I had ruined my children and I don't ever, ever, ever want another woman to feel that way. Um, because it's not true because, you know, God knows from the beginning, you know, I keep thinking of that, the, um, verse from Jeremiah, you know, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So he knew Mm -hmm. me and he knew my children and he knew that we would be the perfect match for one another. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as I grow and learn as their mother, you know, we're sharpening one another. And, um, I wanted other women to know that, you know, I I wanted Mm -hmm. to know that, that there is, um, that there is a beauty and a holiness in what feels like a gigantic mess. And not only that, you know, there are ways that they can, you know, make changes and sort through things to make their lives more joy, more joyful and, and better, and they can strengthen their relationships with their children. So um, that's how I got where I am. Hmm. I just thank you so much for sharing that because I can um, imagine um, other moms who might be listening and who uh, can relate to a part of your story, whether it be, you know, um, a child who, who's different, who they weren't expecting, mm-hmm. um, or the postpartum depression and how isolating that can feel. And sure. so I just, I just so appreciate you being willing to share that because I oh, think yeah. it's helpful to hear that we're not alone in that if someone's experiencing that. So, um, I think that's just so wonderful. And that comes across so much in, um, your ministry and your presence online, just, um, your love and your heart for moms. So, (laughs) so I thank you for sharing that. Um, so you, one thing you mentioned was, um, your children at mass, and (laughs) I would love to ask you more about that because you, um, what has that well, I, I do want to talk to you about your mass journals because you have these beautiful mass journals, but I would love to hear just about your experience with your kids at mass for moms who um, maybe are in a similar place where they feel like they're looking around and they're seeing the families who, you know, seem to have it all together. And it's like, you know, I just have, you know, maybe two kids or three kids and I'm I'm having trouble with, you know, Sure. You know, just the mass experience. Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about what that's been like for you? Um, it's not perfect, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't sugarcoat it. I mean, it's um, oh, it's it's interesting because we sit in the pew, and you know, my four year old is just very active. He's exceedingly he's, um, you know, he's my only boy, and I, <laughs> you know, I had him last, so he, he is very much a boy. Um very busy, very, um, he likes to climb all over me during mass. Um, (laughs) but so, so that's interesting. And then my, you know, my, my eight-year-old, um, her anxiety, you know, is through the roof. So every, every five minutes, you know, she's asking me, are you sure I can go to confession? You know, I can go to, are you sure I can receive the Eucharist? Are you sure I haven't had a mortal sin? You know, wait, he just said that, you know, this verse in the, in the gospel that, that makes me nervous. What does that mean? You know, so I'm like fielding Mm. all these questions and trying to reassure her and calm her down. And then, you know, my oldest is over there, you know, she has her mass journal open and she's like drawing pictures of wolves and, you know, like feral cats and <laughs> she's an artist and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what are you, you know? And then she promises me it has something to do with what she's, you know, hearing in mass. And so, you know, I, I believe her. Mm. Um, but I, I have, I have approached it from the perspective of, um, 
it is so vital that we are there because, you know, regardless of what my kid's behavior is like, you know, we are all part of the body of Christ. Um, and, and that means that he takes all of us, you know, works and all. So like, we don't have to be, I mean, my children, I think, you know, we talk about being reverent. We talk about how to, you know, approach the faith and I'm, I'm constantly or approach the mass and I'm constantly t- showing my four-year-old, you know, look, here's what he's doing now. And we have lots of those St. Joseph picture books, um, where he, oh, yeah. he follows it long. He, he also is reading. He taught himself to read, um, uh, gosh, when he was about three and a half, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> wow. and, well, yes. It, I mean, it, it is kind of neat, but it's also, um, it's intense, you know, having yeah. kids like that because then they, you know, they'll read something and not really perceive or, well, you know, anyway, I'm, get, I'm getting off topic, but especially like when he, when he reads something in the mass, you know, then he gets worried about Jesus or he reads something in the mm. order, of the, order of the mass, he gets worried about Jesus, you know, um, or he starts asking me about, you know, who else died. And then, you know, he has a little, yeah. sweet book and he, he saw you know, Maximilian Colby and he started asking me how Maximilian Colby died. And, so, um, but I, but I think it is important to have them at mass regardless. And I think it's important for them, um, to be there, you know, even with their imperfections. So some of the things that I will do to help keep them focused, obviously, you know, I, I did write the mass journals for them to help with that. Um, but we also talk a lot about what goes on in the mass and why we're there, you know, going back to how I feel about helping them understand their faith and and come to love it and embrace it because they've, um, because they found it to be true. You know, I, I want them to see it as something that's not empty, um, and just, you know, a bunch of, um, things that are done for show that everything has Mm -hmm. meaning and our, our faith is full of that, that rich tradition. So we talk a lot about the mass, um, at home. Um, we have, there's the Lego catechism book. Um, the catechism, the seven sacraments oh, yeah. has been awesome. Um, the Kehoe family, they're just so great. And so we, um, you know, we read that book and it's a really good explanation of the Eucharist and, and why we go to mass. And, um, during mass itself, um, I try not to use the cry room. I try to keep us all in the pew. Um, and I, because I, I think it's really important for them to be in there. Um, and I, and I do use it on occasion, but I feel like my son takes it as license to be a wild man and just run all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I prefer to keep him in the sanctuary where he can experience, you know, the, the aspect of the sacred and the holy, but, um, we also try to give them as much, I mean, in an ideal, on an ideal Sunday morning, I would love to give them as much time as possible to kind of work out all their kinks, you know, to get some physical movements and exercise, because especially with sensory kids, you know, the more movement they can have, the better able they'll be able to focus or the better they'll be able to focus, um, you know, when they're sitting still. Um, that doesn't always happen because most of the time, you know, now that my oldest is getting older, I'm having to drag her out of bed and throw clothes on her and get her in the car <laughs> so that we're not late. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the ideal is just to give them the time and the space they need to process where we're going. You know, we pray in the car on the way to mass. Um, they have their books. Um, and, and I just kind of hand it over to God and say, you know, Lord, this is, this is you, this is, you know, they're here for you. We're here for you. I'm, I'm going to rely on you to help us get through this. And fortunately I, you know, we're in a parish that's really vibrant, lots of young families. Um, and so I've never really had, 
too much of a problem. Um, but I think the you know the more we can prepare them ahead of time and, and show them what mass is like outside of the mass, then it makes things easier. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Yeah, that's really helpful. That's great. So it seems like um, then. So you've written these these be- you've put together these beautiful mass journals, and I know you have one for moms as well. But um, the ones uh, specifically for kids are are beautiful and just so um, thoughtfully composed. And so I imagine these journals kind of came out of your experience um, with your own kids. Is that right? It is. yeah, it is yeah. And um, so when when did the idea come to you um, that it might be helpful for kids to have their own mass journal? And um, and then how did you go about, um, you know, putting those together? Well, it started last spring, I guess. Um, I came across a study, and I've, I've mentioned this study a lot lately. So, <laughs> um, you know, if, if you've heard me talk about this before, I apologize. But um, I came across a study by Dr. Mark Gray, who's um, the head of the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate at Georgetown. And he had polled um, millennials. Um, well, maybe not millennials, but individuals between the ages of 15 and 25 who had left the Catholic faith and it's tried to find out why they had left, um, you know, what led them to that. And he found um, that 60% of them left between the ages of 10 and 17. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they pinpoint walking away. And that's then, so surprising to me because for, for some yeah. reason, you know, I think about like college years being the years when a lot of people mm-hmm. fall away, but it's yeah. so interesting to hear even, you know, younger than that, that it seems like, yeah. 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 And, and then out of, out of that group, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the exact statistic. There was something like, I'd have to look it up to get it exactly right. But I think 30% said they left, um, around the age of 13 and then 20% said they left before 10. Um, and when he asked them, you know, what led to that, the kind of the resounding answer was that mass had no relevance, like what they were learning mm. in their faith. There was a, a disconnect between what they saw at mass and what they saw at home, either in their own families or um, in school or, or whatever. So mass was compartmentalized. Faith was mm. compartmentalized. It was just something they did, not something yeah. they embraced. Um, and so, and, and it's also, it's doubly hard, I think also for individuals who are, um, intellectually gifted, um, you know, which I have three of those. And so, because if you look at statistics overwhelmingly, um, most people who are intellectually gifted identify as atheist or agnostic, um, because they, they have questions that they can't find satisfactory answers for. Um, but you know, one of the beautiful things about the Catholic faith is that, you know, we have a, a long, rich history of really smart people mm-hmm. <laughs> who have done their research yeah. and have written about it. Um, and so I wanted, first of all, you know, I, I, I don't want my children to walk away, you know, that's, and, and I know that it's not entirely within my control. Um, but you know, I can do the, the best I can to give them a leg up. So um, you know, I don't want my children to walk away. And I know that a lot of other families feel the same way, you know, and, and I wanted to give them a way to have their questions answered, to find that relevance between um, what goes on at mass and, and what happens at home. 
um, you know, I wanted them to connect the gospel and the reading and, and the Eucharist to their own lives and to really see its value. Um, not again, not just because mom and dad do it, but because it's something they have really learned about and, and deeply come to appreciate. So, um, I decided actually, um, Lorelai, um, from Books Faith Life was putting together the Catholic mom bundle. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this together. It's something I've been thinking about. I'm going to put it together, get it out there, put it in the Catholic mom bundle and see how it goes. Um, and it was well received. Um, and so, you know, I, um, I did another three months and then another three months after that, and then (laughs) another three months after that. And so, you know, here we are, I'm on my fourth edition. Um, and it, you know, it, it continues to, I think, serve people and I've, I've improved it, you know, every time. Um, so I I love that. So did it start just as a PDF file then that you could, you would download? And I mean, now I know you can, you can get the physical copies. Mm -hmm. Um, so are both formats, um, still available for people? Yeah, Mm -hmm. they are. You can get the PDF on my, on my website. And then the, there's a link to the, um, Amazon, um, listing from my website. And then what age did you um, write this for? Um, I would say eight and up. Um, okay. I think, you know, if you wanted to do younger than eight, I think it's something that you would need to do with your child. Um, around eight, um, some advanced seven-year-olds could probably handle it. Um, but I also, you know, I wanted it to appeal to, um, you know, families who might have, you know, kids who are, you know, also intellectually gifted. So we could, you know, give them the intellectual kind of stimulation and the, um, th- that they crave the, the knowledge that they crave and give them, you know, that. So, um, yeah, I would say eight and up. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I, I know I mentioned this already, but they're really beautiful and just really oh, thoughtfully you. put together and, um, the prompts are wonderful. And so you have it so that the feast days are listed, you know, the different feast days for the week. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a weekly examine, um, in there. And then there's even like an adoration journal at the back, which is just, just so thoughtful. There's so many components that I wouldn't have even thought to include, um, that I think are really, really helpful for, for kids. So, um, did you, so your, um, oldest, uh, uses a mass journal then, is that right? And And my, my eight year old does too. Oh, okay. Wonderful. And do you find that they mostly are using it, um, at home or, at mass as well? Is it kind of a combination of both? Um, it depends, you know, it depends on how much they have their questions answered during mass while they're listening to the readings. Um, you know, if there's something else they want to follow up with at home with me, then, then we do use it at home. You know, I, I designed it to be flexible so that families can choose, you know, when they want to use them. Um, it helps my girls focus so they use them during mass. Um, but I know a lot of other families use them ahead of time as kind of like a way to prepare for the readings. Um, other families use them after, you know, just depending, I think it really just depends on, you know, an individual family's needs, but, um, my girls really need them during mass. Mm. Um, and so I, I find that to be like the best time for them to get the most out of it. Mm. That's great. And it's, it's so helpful that the, the readings are actually, in the journal as well. So it's not even just a, um, you know, a place to, you know, a prompt and then a place to write, but, um, that you could follow along with the readings as well is, is really neat. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's really great. I love that. 
I, I would love to ask you um, a little bit about um, just your experience with your own kids. And I'm thinking about moms who might be listening who who feel like, you know, maybe they're hearing you for the hearing you and for the first time they're saying, wow, this sounds a lot like my children or my experience <laughs> of motherhood. And they yeah. haven't like heard that before or felt that from from anyone. Do you have any um, like advice or like first steps for for people who might be hearing this for the first time and it's really resonating with them? Um, I think there's a couple of things. You know, there's there's a lot of myths that come along with with raising um, kids who are different. Um, you know, and and they they can be really damaging. I think to a mom's heart um, as far as you know how she feels about herself and how she feels about her kids. I know, you know, I for one was terrified of labels. Um, you know, I, I didn't want a diagnosis, um, especially not an autism diagnosis, because, you know, that to me was like, you know, I, I'm, to be honest, it felt like a death sentence. Like it felt like just the end of everything. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I, looking back, I think I did my daughter a disservice by not um, being open to it more because I think, you know, now, now that she's 12, it's, you know, it's harder for her. I think she's beginning to see more like her difference. Um, and, and she loves it and embraces it, but it's, it's not easy being 12 under the best of circumstances, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but then mm-hmm. you add in that extra piece and it makes it more complicated. Um, so, you know, my, my first advice would be, you know, if you see something and if, if you, if you question, um, you know, seek out, seek out somebody who knows, you know, find, you go and talk to your pediatrician, um, you know, and don't be afraid of the evaluation process because, you know, your child is still your child. You know, the, the diagnosis, the label doesn't change anything. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change who your child is. Um, so that's, you know, not anything to be, you know, afraid of. Um, I think it's important to really, to realize that some battles really just aren't worth fighting. Like, um, all of my kids have sensory issues. So my eight-year-old for one winter wore nothing but flip-flops like when she would wear shoes and like, so, you know, it's snowing outside and she's in her flip-flops, <laughs> you know? And, and I just, I wasn't going to fight it anymore because we'd had so many fights over socks um, and shoes. And, and even now today she wears like um, she has this one particular type of boot that she likes to wear in the winter and she doesn't wear socks with them. And, and I'm just over it. You know, I, I can't deal with it. And like, you know, my oldest and her food choices, you know, I, we had so many horrible, horrible dinners where, you know, she was two, three, and, you know, it it involved like lots of tears, you know, force feeding, vomiting. Like it was bad. It was really bad because I didn't know any better. And, you know, now, um, I've, we followed this thing called division of responsibility. You know, I provide the food, the healthy food choices. It's her responsibility to eat them. And, you know, when she's ready, you know, she cooks alongside me in the kitchen um, just to get used to the the smells and the textures and the the sights, oh, um, you know, and and gradually. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Can you? Repeat yeah, that? no, that's that's interesting. I just wouldn't have thought to to do that. That's yeah, really yeah, great. It, um, it's very contrary to what a lot of people say uh-huh. <laughs> um, or think, you know, because there's that whole idea of like, well, if they don't eat it, they can starve until you know breakfast or whatever, and and I don't. I don't ascribe to that because I don't think, um, I don't want to use food as punishment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she, I always make sure that there's something that she will eat. Um, Mm. you know, and. And was that just kind of like a trial and error figuring out, 
um, what she, you know, with her sensory um, things that are going on, figuring out what she can handle and what she can. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and I, I read some books on it too. Um, and there's a, there's the Ellen Slater White Institute. Um, and that's where I learned about the division of responsibility technique. Um, and so once I read about that, it was like so much easier, you know, um, because then suddenly it wasn't, it wasn't my fault, you know, and it's not her fault either. You know, it's just, um, she knows what she likes and, you know, when she's comfortable, she, she tries new things. Like we were making, um, gumbo. I was, my dad was originally from Southeast Texas, um, a small town. And so I was making my dad's gumbo recipe and I was teaching her how to do it. You know, she's never, she's never eaten it. She probably never will. Um, but she did try a green bell pepper that day when we were chopping all that stuff up, which she'd never done before. Um, you know, I I count that as a huge win, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so, you know, I would, I would recommend, you know, don't be afraid of labels. Um, I would recommend, you know, really do pick your battles because a lot of them aren't worth it. What's, what matters the most is the relationship you have with your child and, you know, and getting them into heaven. Um, and you know, St. Peter's not going to ask you what your favorite sandwich is, you know, when you're standing <laughs> in the room, he's not going to yeah. care about that. Um, that is not a, a matter of faith and morals. So, um, you know, as long as she gets a clean bill of health at the, the doctor every year and which she has, I'm fine with that. Um, and let's see, what are some other things? Um, I think learning to trust yourself and trust your gut and not listen to what other people have to say because everybody has an opinion. And, um, you know, I, I came across a quote the other day that opinions are like onions and, you know, they have, they have lots of layers and they stink and they tend to make people cry, you know? Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so, um, so yes, you know, that, that is, um, yeah, that's what I, I would say is just to, you know, to trust yourself, um, you know, and, and not be afraid of, you know, finding answers and, um, to, you know, really watch those battles. Mm. So that's great. That is so helpful. I'm so glad you shared all this because I, I can't think of a a guest I've had on who have, has really, um, shared a little bit about, you know, experiences with, um, children that are, that are a little different and, um, maybe struggle with sensory things. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's just so helpful to have this perspective and to know, um, that, you know, I I love what you said about trusting your gut and it's so easy to fall into the, you know, what you hear from other moms or, you know, maybe your own mom or like just other people in your life that have thoughts and opinions on, um, what works best or (laughs) how, Mm -hmm. how children need to learn. And so it's just refreshing and helpful to hear, um, a different perspective. So that's great. I really love that. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about, um, your family prayer life. If you have any sort of, um, family prayer routine or maybe things that have just worked for, for prayer in your family. Sure. Um, well, we pray in the car on the way to mass. Um, that was something that my, my husband's spiritual director, um, who was the chaplain at the, the high school where he worked, um, suggested. So um, we do that um, on the way to mass. And then um, we pray together as a family before bed. Um, and I think, you know, my mother, um, she was a, a convert to Catholicism. She converted when I was, oh gosh, maybe three or four. Um, and 
one of the things prior to that, she was a member of like the, the Christian church, just the, the standard Protestant Christian church. And one of the things that she would do all the time was just constantly pray and just constantly call on Jesus's name, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, I think part of that came from her Protestant background. Um, so my mother was a really big proponent, you know, whether she intended to be or not. Um, you know, the the model she gave me was the idea of praying without ceasing. And my father also was um, the same way. He was a like a pre-Vatican II Catholic. He was much older than my mother. They were about 14 years apart in age. And um, he, you know, his faith was very, very important to him. And so, you know, we were we were constantly, you know, we just prayed a lot as a family, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a formal thing. It was just a, we would all just, you know, spontaneous prayer. Mm. Um, and so I try to do that with my kids, you know, I, when they're, when they're fighting, you know, I'll say, stop, Hail Mary, you know, and, yeah. and we'll say Hail Mary together. Um, you know, and then um, last night, you know, I was, the girls like to cuddle with me, especially my, my eight year old, just because of her anxiety. She likes to cuddle with me um, in bed before she goes to sleep. And so last night her sister joined us and the, the three of us sat in there and they are in the bed and they laid on my lap and I just said a decade of the rosary. Mm. Um, you know, it just, it's, it's not, it's not formal. And sometimes I feel like maybe it should be, but then I just remember that, you know, my domestic church is, is it doesn't have to look like Pinterest, you yeah. know, <laughs> Um, my domestic church is going to have to to be flexible and, and work within the family constellation that God has given us, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the children that God has given us. And so, um, you know, we've we've also tried um, kind of visual cues and manipulatives over the years. Um, Rosary roses. Um, a, a friend of mine, um, Joan Collins, she lives up in New York. She knits um, oh, roses um, to for you know one for each decade or one for each prayer. Sorry. Um, that you can use and hold and pass around. Um, we've had rosary magnets um, and all kinds of stuff. Um, but but yeah, you know, just making it a, a regular part of our day, I think, is is key for mm. us. That's great. And then um, on the way to mass, um, is there something in particular, um, some kind of prayer in particular that kind of is helping you you all prepare for mass as a family? Or um, is that again more of like a, a free prayer kind of? Well, that's um, actually my husband will say usually an Our Father, a Hail, a Hail Mary, and then a Glory Be. Hmm. Um, and we don't live that far from our church, so it really oh, doesn't take us that long yeah. to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we live about. I don't know. I say it takes five minutes, but that's if I'm driving a little bit too fast. <laughs> um, it's nice to be that usually, close. Yeah, which is usually the case. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's about eight minutes. So, you know, typically by the time we get everybody settled and by the time, you know, the four-year-old has stopped yelling about his socks or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and they've quit fighting, quit, you know, fighting over the hairbrush or whatever, then, you know, we get the Our Father, we get the Hail Mary, we get the Glory Be, and then we have to kind of allay some fears, mm-hmm. um, you know, that my my eight-year-old has and, you know, give my 12-year-old some reminders about, like, appropriate behavior. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's short, um, but it does have a specific order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love how simple it is. That's something that, you know, any family could implement on the way to Mass. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. Um, so, Jenny, how would you say you've seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Oh gosh. Um, a lot of ways. I think, um, he's, he's really changed kind of the woman I am. Um, you know, I, I'm, 
I, I think at my core, um, my root sin is probably pride um, and, and selfishness. And so I, you know, I'm, I, I tend towards being really competitive. Um, and I think over the past year, he's really mellowed me out, um, gently in some ways and in other ways, just, you know, full on humiliation of, you know, mistakes that I've made and things that I've done, um, that didn't turn out the way I had hoped. Um, but I think, um, you know, it, it was funny. I, I don't really, I consistently think of myself as, um, not as good perhaps as I could be, or, you know, I, I struggle a lot with imposter syndrome, which is, mm. you know, the fear of people figuring out that I'm a fraud or that I'm a fake or that I'm not, you know, who I pretend to be or, or say that I am, you know, and, um, one of the, I don't even remember what the post was, but I, I made some post on Facebook and, um, one of my, my friends on there, I, I don't like the word follower, <laughs> but one of my friends on my, my page, um, you know, she said, and, and, and I actually happen to know this particular, um, woman in, in real life. And she said, you know, God is really changing your heart and you're making an impact on all of us. And I mm. thought wow. that is, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's not, it's not that I am doing this for fame, um, you know, or, or getting my name out there. Um, you know, God is changing my heart so that I can serve other women, mm. um, you know, and, and be kind of his voice, um, you know, and his, his, his hands and his, his feet and his arms, um, for the women who, who need it. And, you know, even, even saying that, I feel like awkward saying that because I feel in a sense that that's like prideful, but I think that's my own, you know, my own battles with scrupulosity and, Mm, (laughs) um, my own OCD tendencies, you know, (laughs) um, but I, but I think that's it. And, and, and also just learning to love my children more, um, and to embrace them as the people they are. Um, you know, even, even when they don't match the people that I thought I was supposed to have, um, you know, because I think based on my own experiences growing up and junior high and, and being, being a highly sensitive person and also, you know, learning that I myself have, well, and, and see, and here, I, I hate even to say this cause I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but, you know, being, being also a gifted individual myself, which I, you know, I could see that on my test scores growing up, but like, I'd never wanted to admit it because I always thought, oh, well, I'm too sensitive or, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't do my schoolwork or, you know, I didn't have the top grades. Well, that's not, you know, what, what being gifted is, um, you know, gifted has to do with, you know, wiring in the brain and, and tendencies and, and personality quirks. And so, you know, God, I think has really in learning more about my children, he's helped me learn more about myself mm. um, and give myself a little bit more grace and mercy because, you know, for example, yesterday, I, um, I made a mistake yesterday that really upset somebody. And I, um, I felt terrible and I was in tears for probably about three hours yesterday morning, um, just like beating myself up over and over and over again. And, you know, it, that kind of, that kind of reaction, you know, it, it's, I've learned you know, whereas before I would have just thought, oh, I'm crazy, you know, but now I see that, you know, it's the same kind of thing that my eight-year-old does and it's, and it's part of her OCD tendencies. And so, um, you know, by learning, as I said before, you know, by learning more about my children, God is helping me learn more about myself. And it's, it's helping me give myself that grace and that mercy that God is extending to me. I, I guess not give it to myself, but to accept the grace and mercy that God is extending to me and, and embracing it and just saying, you know, 
Lord, I'm, I am the clay and you are the potter and you're just going to have to mold me and fix me and make me better or not better, but you make me the woman you want me to be. Um, so that was a long winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. I love that idea. And I just want to sit with that more of learning more about myself and who God created me to be by also just looking at my children and, and seeing yeah. how, um, yeah, just seeing them as their own unique persons as well. And, um, yeah, I think that's just, that's such a great practice that, that I've never really thought about, you know, yeah. I, I think that's really neat. I love that. Thank you. And um, what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? Okay. Well, um, <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> we, are, we still live in the starter home we bought 17 years ago. Um, it's a small townhouse. We, we live in a very expensive area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my husband works for the Diocese of Arlington um, in, a, in a high school. And I stay home and I homeschool. And um, for a while I had a tutoring business. And then I just quit doing that and devoted myself full time to to blogging and writing. So we're, um, we live in a very expensive area in a, in the house that we can afford. Um, and we are running out of space and we are on top of each other. And I could Kanmari this house up one side and down the other, and we would still not fit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I, um, and, you know, having highly sensitive people who, you know, attach like really a lot of significance to, to material objects, it Mm. makes it really hard to declutter. So, and, and then having a child who needs her space, um, you know, because of her sensory issues. And um, I don't, I don't have a favorite part of my home, but what I do have is the reminder that God is good mm. and that he has provided for us and that, you know, I don't have a full-time job. I don't make a lot of money. My husband makes, you know, he works for the church. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the the pay isn't so great, but the retirement benefits, I guess, are you know, are good. <laughs> not not realistically, but like you know, yeah. at the end, <laughs> right? You know, nice. um, That's great. Yeah. So I, you know, it, it's it's just a constant reminder of how blessed we are. Mm. You know that that we have this space that we've it's been our home for seventeen years. You know, yes, it's ragged around the edges. Yes, it needs a fresh coat of paint. Yes, the upstairs carpeting looks. Like children have lived here, you know, know, and it it needs to be replaced. Um, But it's, but it's our home. And, and I I will say that I remember a couple of New Year's Eves um, ago, we went to a party um, at a house of some acquaintances and they live in a huge, huge home. And I, but, but they were secular and it was, it was so devoid of like meaning. And when I came home to my little house with my crucifix and, you know, my, my little home altar, it just felt like this is where I belonged, mm. you know? Um, so I don't need, I mean, I would love the space. I don't need it, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's the story about my house. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I think that's a great perspective. Um, I'm wondering, have you been able to find for moms who are like in a similar position, position, have you been able to find like ways to, help your children specifically, like if they feel like they need a little bit more space or like, have there been some things where you've realized, okay, we need to adjust in this way? Um, or is that something you're still kind of working on? We are working on it. Although my 12 year old has built, like she shares a room with her sister. So she's, they have a 
they have bunk beds. And so she's built like her own little canopy um, around her bed mm. with blankets um, so that when she needs space, she just goes in there and blocks everybody out. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, that, that has been helpful. Um, my eight-year-old, on the other hand, is terrified of being alone. Mm. So, you know, she, she benefits from, I think, the close proximity of just having somebody always around. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, that drives her older sister up the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I've, I've tried to sort of help them, you know, I've tried to cultivate a, a sense of empathy within each of them to help them understand, you know, mm. hey, look, each of you has different needs. And I know it's hard for both of you to kind of meet those needs at different times. Um, you know, but this is how we compromise and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I tend to try to follow my kids leads on stuff like that. So, you know, if they need to carve out a space, wherever they want it to be, I'll, I'll let them do it. Like my, my oldest actually carved out a space for herself in the laundry room once mm. <laughs> she, you know, put together a bunch of like paint buckets and, you know, brought in boxes and was like, this was her space. Um, and she was happy there for a while. Um, you know, until eventually she was like, this is not comfortable. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still working on it and, and we are, you know, we are looking for, you know, we're thinking of relocating just a little farther South, um, just so that we can't have the space and we're not, um, we don't feel, you know, like we're on top of each other, but you know, I, I don't know yeah. that, that that will be an option. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's a good question. I wish I had a better answer, no, I, but I don't. That's great. I think it's helpful what you said about kind of like allowing your children to like lead in that way. Like for example, when your daughter, you know, wanted that little space in the laundry room and just like allowing her to have that or to create her own canopy in her bed. I think that's, that's really helpful. Yeah, that's neat. Um, and what have you been loving recently? Oh gosh. Um, I, I'm going to be honest and say alone time. I don't get much of it. (laughs) Um, and so right now that is like the 15 minute drive to like, well, driving home from dropping my son off at preschool. He's in preschool two days a week. Um, and so, you know, I, I leave the girls home, um, they're 12 and eight. So they're, you know, they're, they're capable of staying home alone, um, just for, you know, half an hour. So that 15 minutes is like such a gift. Mm. Um, and then on Thursdays, my mom actually, um, homeschools my girls while my son is at preschool. Um, so she teaches them on Thursdays while my son is out of the house. And so I have like a two hour block of time where I can just work. Mm-hmm. Um, that alone time I think is really restorative. And I don't think we, we give ourselves permission to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really feel strongly that we can't give our children what we don't have. So we can't give them peace and support and stability if we don't have peace and support and stability in our own souls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, that's what I've been loving. Yeah, that's, that's great. Are you um, familiar with Sally Clarkson at all? The Clarkson? I am. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. she, she, I, uh, talks about having, you know, a child, well, children, but one specifically who she wrote a book with that um, was different. Yeah, different. yeah and kind of learning yeah. to navigate that. Well, I, I heard her say something recently. She was talking to another mom on her on her podcast who um, was sharing about like having difficulties with a child and a friend who, you know, took that child just for like a few hours to her home. Um, to mm-hmm. be, you know, with her kids and her family and um, how important that was and how it's something like that maybe we 
we don't really think of as a way of like offering support to someone who might be in a situation where they feel kind of like isolated or overwhelmed. And so mm-hmm. I, I love that your your mom does some of the schooling. I don't know if that's like, you know, the intention, you know, for you to have a break, maybe that's part of it. But um, for her to, yeah, take, take your girls for a little bit of time, um, it, I can imagine it would bring peace in like both situations, like a change a little bit for your yeah. girls to be with um, their grandma. And then also for you to have that, that alone time, I just can see how that would be so, so beneficial. It is. Yeah. It's really a blessing. Yeah. That's neat. Um, and then do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's maybe making your life a little easier right now? Oh gosh. <laughs> I, I know after all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have any mom hacks, but I can say what's making my life easier is just constantly reminding myself that um, it's okay that things are not perfect mm. and that there is abundant grace to be had in, in the mess that I, you know, sometimes feel like I'm living in and, and that it's not a mess. You know, it's, it's the normal, natural, um, you know, holy place um, that I'm in. Mm. So I, I think my hack would be just to, to, not be so hard on yourself, you yeah. know, and to just accept, you know, accept it as an opportunity for grace and, and, and you know, and, and growth and peace. Um, so no, I, and, and I'm so terrible at Pinterest anyway. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, using a, reusing a tissue box, you know, to hold wipes or something. I'm just not, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> that's great. Um, well, unfortunately, I, so. I think that's so helpful not being, so hard on ourselves. And I think that's something we all need to hear. So I I really love that. Um, Jenny, this has been just so refreshing and I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing your story. So thank you so much for, for being here and for chatting with me. You're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. And where can listeners, um, find you and, uh, the mass journals if they're interested in checking those out? Um, on my website, it's uh, www.notsoformulaic.com. Uh, I always feel so awkward saying my website name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It just doesn't roll off my tongue. But, um, but yeah, I'm at, I'm at Not So Formulaic. And uh, you can, I have, you know, links to, to all the other places where you can find me um, and then links to the mass journals as well. Wonderful. That's great. I'll go ahead and link to those uh, in the show notes as well for people who are interested. So. Perfect. Great. Uh, Let me go ahead and close us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for our unique kids um, that you've given us. Thank you for the unique motherhood you've called us to. We pray for the grace today to love you more, Lord, and to love our families. We offer our days to you And we offer this time to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi friends, I hope you enjoyed this chat with Ginny as much as I did. I love that Ginny shared how vital it is that we bring our kids to Mass, because we are all part of the body of Christ, and He takes all of us. Regardless of the occasional or not-so-occasional chaos, I also loved Jenny's tips for preparing for Mass ahead of time to help things go a little smoother, talking about the Mass at home, allowing our kids physical movement time prior to going to Mass, praying in the car, and handing the experience over to God. 
We're here for you, Lord. And overall, helping our kids connect the gospel and the Eucharist to their own lives to find value, not just because mom and dad do it, but because it's something they've learned about and come to appreciate themselves. Thanks for listening in today, friends. I'm praying for all of you as we head into Lent this week. God bless.